Hello, friends. I'm Mina Estrada, producer for Dream Club. I'm also a co-creator along with the amazing Liz Goad. This is episode seven, which I've chosen to call Salma Gundy. I don't know if you're familiar with this term. I was not until today. As I was trying to find another word for hodgepodge or potpourri, a word that could aptly describe the content of this wonderfully wacky little episode, I came across Salma Gundy, and I love it. I freaking love this word. Apparently, it was originally the name for a dish of chopped up meat, anchovies, eggs, onions, and seasoning, but it grew to be a term for a general mixture of things, a miscellaneous collection. And that is totally what you're getting in this sweet short episode today. We start with a delightful update on new celebrity dreams that Liz has had since the last episode, which was dedicated to dreams about famous people. And then there's a romantic story of sorts theory on prophetic dreams, a chilling dream from one of the most notable men of his time, and a dream about a man with some concerns that his Dinklage crop may not come in this season. It's a delicious Salma Gundy. And friends, if Dream Club is bringing you joy, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast, and share with your friends and loved ones. And follow us on Instagram at underscore dream.club underscore. We hope that you enjoy the show. Again, just let me know if I freeze up on you, and I'll let you know if you freeze up on me. Okay. You're already starting to. <laughs> I, I vote that you start. Like, let's just get you through a couple of dreams. Okay. So that we at least get, hopefully, something. Okay. And we'll go from there. All right. So, our last episode was the celebrity episode yes right and one of the things that I talked about during that episode was that I I didn't have a dream about Paul Rudd but it seemed like someone who I would have a dream romance with right and Mina that night the very night that we recorded that episode I dreamed that we kind of hooked up yeah and me and Paul Rudd hooked up. So um, dreams good? do come true in yeah. your dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, you know, it was interesting because I think in some sense I was aware that I was dreaming, which is, is different from all these other celebrity dreams that I've had where I'm like, um, I tend to think even in the dream, wow, now it's really happening. Kind of yeah. like the, when your teeth fall out in your dreams, you're right. like, I've dreamed about this before, but this time it's real. Right. That's what my celebrity dreams are usually like. This one, like I could tell he was into me. And then pretty soon after that, I realized like, this is a dream, but like, keep it going. Right. Like try to keep, it was like a semi-lucid dream. Like try to, don't wake up, don't wake up. But then at, once I realized that it 
just started to get really awkward, you know, um, hard, hard to explain, but it was just like, it was like, I was trying to make it happen. And uh, so it stopped making sense. Sure. And it didn't, it didn't happen. How unfortunate. Oh my God. Right. Right. And he wasn't as charming in the dream as I thought he would be. So oh, I don't know, okay. but here's just like a, um, a quick rundown of all the celebrity dreams that I've had since we had our celebrity You've had episode. more? So, so many. Um, okay, so there was Paul Rudd. I dreamed um, also that I had a little fling with Timothy Chalamet. Okay. And in that dream, I saw him. He was singing in a church choir, but Anna Schwab was also there with me. And I know that she is kind of like a little um, outspoken crush on him. Not a yes. secret. But he was into me. Like we were there together, but he was like, you, you're the one. It's like, <laughs> and I was telling my friends about it. Like, oh, because in the dream, like Brian had left me, like he broke up with me and I was kind of on the rebound. Convenient. And yeah. um, my friends were, you know, like congratulating me. And I realized like he's 24 years old and I'm 38 years old. So like, okay. that's a, you know. It's a bit, and I. But I told my friends in the dream, he doesn't make me feel old. He just makes me feel smarter. <laughs> it was yeah, that was close. my impression of like dating a much younger man in yeah. my dream. Um, I dreamed that I saw Adam Scott and um, Amy Poehler at the airport. Okay. I also dreamed that oh that I was a writer. I got hired as a writer for Jimmy Kimmel, and. Amy Poehler was also there to kind of like give me some good vibes and cheer me on. And for some reason, like in that dream, like she was you, like you, she was somehow fulfilling your role that you fulfill in my life. Cause you're such a great cheerleader, like oh just the ultimate. Thank you. And I also dreamed that Andy Dwyer from yes. Parks and Rec, not Chris Pratt, Andy Dwyer was my boyfriend and it was not as charming as you would think it would be yeah like it was like a real life version of that mm -hmm. person which would be not like I was the Ann Perkins in that mm -hmm. story mm -hmm. so yeah that's a lot and then um here's one that you will cut out of okay this, like All you right, here will we go. edit this out um which is that <laughs> So this is a shout out to a longtime listener, Coco Loop. She's also one of my closest, dearest friends. And um, full disclosure, she is also the co-creator and my partner for another podcast called Benevolent Instruction. Mm -hmm. And I'll include a link to that if you're interested. It's about moving and words. It's like guided meditation, guided improvisation. It's about listening and responding. It's about being in dreamy places. It's about being in physical places. Anyway, so Coco Loop is uh, a fan of the show. And the thing that I love is that I have a really beautiful origin story with Coco. We both dated the same man by barely a couple of months from each other when we I lived in Dallas, that. Texas. Yeah. So he was, oh, wow. He was my professor at grad school. And uh, they oh. had dated before. I had dated him, which when I wasn't in grad school, just to be clear for everybody. Mm -hmm. And um, 
and but we didn't know each other. Like I knew of her. Right. They also danced together. And then we had met each other briefly once 10 years prior to us meeting for real. And so what had happened was I'd moved to Baton Rouge and I was feeling a little blue because I was new to the city and I couldn't find any like dance folk to be with. And I'm sitting in the parking lot of the newly built Trader Joe's in Baton Rouge. And I'm crying on the phone with a friend in Philadelphia. And she says to me, hey, do you know Coco Loop? And I was like, well, kind of. She's like, well, she, I think she's moving to Baton Rouge. I think I saw it on her Facebook. And I was like, no, no, nobody moves to Baton Rouge. Like she's moving to New Orleans. Like she's not gonna move to Baton Rouge. She's like, no, I'm pretty sure she's moving to Baton Rouge. I didn't know that Coco was from Baton Rouge. Like she grew up there. Oh. So yeah. I went home and I sent Coco a message. that was like, hi, I don't know if you remember me, but I dated Jay after you dated Jay. And I live in Baton Rouge and someone told me you're moving to Baton Rouge. So she contacted me back and she was like, yeah, I'll be there in December. So that was about a month, right? Now, again, I didn't, I'd met her once briefly and I'd only known of her. But before we actually met, I had had two different dreams about her. And in both the dreams, we were teaching and dancing in these tiny rooms. Like we would meet up at someone's house and just pick up all the furniture and move it to the side and teach class together. And one time we had like an old saxophone player who was accompanying the class, but I didn't know this woman. Like, but I had dreamt about her twice before meeting her face to face and having a drink with her. And little did I know that those dreams were telling me we were gonna be best friends and that we were gonna be mm -hmm. constantly dancing in small rooms together. <laughs> we also produced yes. two shows called 10 Tiny Dances together, which mm -hmm. at no point did I think like, oh, I dreamt about us being in tiny rooms together. We should do shows about tiny dances. No, no, it just happened. That's not where it came from? No. Actually, 10 Tiny Dances is a thing that is like trademarked by somebody else that she's friends oh, right. with. So like I had had like dream omens about this woman that I didn't know. And I, I know that they were about hope, right? Like really, mm -hmm. it was me hoping that we would be close and hoping that I would have a partner to dance around with. Like we have what I consider to be one of the great romances. Like I would tell our story as a movie, easy. Like we have this really gorgeous friendship and professional and artistic partnership that is one of the most organic, authentic, genuine things I've ever experienced. I know that it was just about hope. Like I know that, yeah, it feels I, a little I bit- I think like it was a little bit more than that. It's a little bit magic. It's, it's intuition, yeah. which is part magic. Yeah. It's the, I read this somewhere this week. It's the function that allows us to just peek right around the corner into the future. Mm. And, and I also did some research on prophetic dreams. Yes. So, um, this is what you're good for. Well, so, I mean, you're good for research. a lot of things. I did. Right. <laughs> you're good for so many things. I apologize. For yeah. Sure. I Googled, I did some Googling. Okay. So, um, my very scant research took me to um, Carl Jung, okay. who believed he like he did a lot of writing on dreams. He had a book called Memories, Dreams, and Reflections. Mm. 
this is Carl Jung, famous psychoanalyst mm -hmm. in the early 1900s. So I checked out this book from the library. I did not read any words of it. I brought it back to the library, but I also kind of Googled just his whole general thing. And he, um, I don't know, it seems like he kind of had this notion of dreams, prophetic dreams is like an intense form of intuition, mm. you know, that like we, that our unconscious mind is so much more vast and has so much more potential than our conscious mind. Mm. So that in dreams, we're really able to just like take all of these subtle clues that we pick up on in our lives that um, consciously we, we never pick up on and to combine them in all kinds of ways that sometimes turns up into something that, you know, like he had a, a dream that foretold the coming of world war one. Mm. <laughs> yes, it was world war one. Um, which I'm sure they didn't call it that at the time. They right. probably just called it the war, the great right. war. They were like, it's a big war the first one. <laughs> um, and, and then in this article that I was reading about him, I read another famous prophetic dream and I'm going to read the dream to you. And then I'm going to tell you who had this dream. Okay. Okay. Um, about 10 days ago, I retired very late. I'd been up waiting for important dispatches from the front. I could not have been long in bed when I fell into sleep and I was very weary and I soon began to dream. There seemed to be a death-like stillness around me. I heard subdued sobs as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs and the silence was broken by the same pitiful sobbing, but the mourners were invisible. I went from one room to another and there was no one in sight, but I just kept hearing sounds of distress. Um, it was light in all the rooms. Every object was familiar to me, but where were all of these people grieving as if their hearts would break? I was puzzled and alarmed. What could be the meaning of all this? Determined to find the cause of a state of things so mysterious and shocking, I kept on until I arrived at the East Room, which I entered. And there I met with a sickening surprise. Before me was a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments and around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards. And there was a throng of people some gazing mournfully upon the corpse whose face was covered. Who is dead in the White House? I demanded of one of the soldiers. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. Then came a loud burst of grief from the crowd, which woke me from my dream, and I slept no more that night. And although it was only a dream, I have been strangely annoyed by it ever since. And that was a dream that Abraham Lincoln wrote down about two weeks before he was assassinated. Get out. I just got mm -hmm. the chills. Yeah. How did Which, you like, find that? Um, psychology Today. Okay. I, I think it's really, really awesome and impressive that there was a sitting president, like yeah. The actual president of the United States had the the wherewithal yeah. to just sit down and write down a dream, just yeah. jot down a dream that he had. Right. I mean, obviously, it was a very disturbing dream. Right. But um, I just don't think of presidents as people who were like dream journaling, you know? It's also important, right? Like, I actually, mm -hmm. I don't know, 
surprised. I wouldn't be so surprised if if there were more dream journaling presidents than we think. Oh, also on the celebrity dream, I left one out the last mm-hmm. time that we talked about it, which is that I had a dream that um, I met an old man who had a, a Peter Dinklage tree. Oh my God. So it was like a tree that grows Peter Dinklage. And he was um, like worried that the crop wouldn't come in that year. <laughs> Happy birthday, Coco. Sweet.